Welcome, you're listening to A Certain Degree. Jeremy Sagers and Teresa Hansen are in the studio for a special episode about their upcoming show, St. Joan. This episode is brought to you by Retentive Redesigns. Have you ever been micromanaged? Had a supervisor who didn't communicate effectively? Then let Retentive Redesigns give their office a makeover. Once we're done, they will only be able to send two emails a day and each no longer than 140 characters, like Twitter. Printers will be offline for them, and all the doors will be key-coded so they have to solve a series of puzzles to open them. That manager isn't going to watch over your shoulder if it takes 30 minutes to get to the bathroom. Order your redesign at toacertaindegree.com. Welcome. This is a special episode of To a Certain Degree on WPRK Winter Park, Florida. We're recording this live. Uh, but editing it heavily because of all these swear words and other things that our guests will be using. My name is Nick. Uh, we do some of these special episodes when we don't have time to get guests on before a big event in their lives. So Teresa Hansen and Jeremy Sagers are here today to talk about a pretty big event, uh, something that will be happening towards the end of July through early August. It's St. Joan, a play that's going to be held at the uh, Fred Stone uh, Theater here at Rollins College. Tickets are on sale now. And so thank you guys very much for being here, Teresa and Jeremy. Thank you. Thank you, Nick. So, Jeremy, you're the director yes. of the show. Mm-hmm. And, Teresa, you are the, I don't want to say star, but I'm going to say star. Because you're basically the lead. You're Joan of Arc. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, so this is going to be great. So Bernard Shaw, a.k.a. George Bernard Shaw. The one and the only. Yeah. He didn't like the George. He wanted to be called Bernard Shaw. Yeah. He dropped it. You know, it was like back and forth. Back yep. and forth with that. Well, as uh, since my last name is Jorgudiu, yeah, I kind of feel <laughs> his pain. Uh, so he wrote it. Uh, this is mm-hmm. one of the ones he wrote. I was reading a little bit about it. It was actually premiered in 1923, which is just a couple of years after she was canonized, which is pretty interesting. So I'm curious about the show and and sort of the story behind it. I read a little bit about it. But, Jeremy, let's start with you. Why did you choose this show specifically? Well, it was it was really difficult, actually, to um, to decide what show I wanted to do um, next. I'd just done a very contemporary comedy called This Is Our Youth and um, set in New York in the 80s. And um, I knew I wanted to do something very different stylistically um, and tonally and everything uh, from that. And I know I wanted to do a play that focused on a female character, at least one major female character. Um, And I had heard about St. Joan um, through various things (laughs) coming in and out of my life. Um, The play, I um, actually down in Miami, there's a... um, there's a museum called the uh, Wolf. Oh gosh, what's it called? Um, ah, completely. Uh, uh, with Wolfsonian, that's exactly what it's called. Um, and there is a stained glass window um, that was created, inspired by this play. And there's a little um, quote from the play in the stained glass window, and it's beautiful. And uh, I 
was there a little over a year ago and I thought, you know, you really should read this play, Jeremy. Like you keep seeing all these things. Um, There's all these signs all pointing these... to you. <laughs> exactly. Interestingly enough. Now, when you were looking at the window, did yeah. the sun come across and it yes. just hit you at that time? <laughs> that would have been very cool. Too, yeah, yeah. Whispering in my ear. <laughs> very, uh, very Joan of Arc. Um, yeah. I just, I thought like you should really read this play. And so, um, I finally did, and it was one of the ones I wanted to do. And then I, I, I reread it again, and there were so many things. Um, you know, recently, the phrase, um, still she persisted, still she persisted, she persisted, that mm -hmm. kind of has become a mantra for a lot of people. Um, and that's ultimately what Joan did her, her, for her brief um, career, military career, and, and, um, celebrity as long as time I lasted. on this earth yeah, right yeah. it was you know she was um 16 when she became known um as the maid of orleans and um went around gathering inspiring people followers um and leading them into battle uh the french against the english and um then she was and then everyone turned on her she was right. captured and everybody turned on her and she was burned at the stake um, convicted of heresy and witchcraft and burned at the stake at the age of 19. So, um, and this was all, you know, we're talking about medieval <laughs> 1400s here. Yep. So it's, it's, it's been a minute. And, um, yeah, as you said, she wasn't even canonized. Um, you know, the, the church didn't even grant her sainthood until 1920. And I, uh, just started doing some research and I thought this is a story that is, timeless and relevant um, to today. You have all of these men, she's the only female character really in the show, and you have all these men that are controlling her fate and her destiny. And um, unfortunately that happens to this day still for a lot of women. Mm -hmm. And so um, that that's what ultimately I decided to do. I, I consulted a very good friend of mine who's like a sister to me, and I called her up. She's a director and an actor. And I said, oh, I don't know what to do next. And I kind of went through all these different possibilities. And at the end of my my existential crisis <laughs> and my ranting and everything, she said, um, I think you've already made up your mind. I uh, think you just have to admit it, that this is what you want to do. It, right, it's right. a big piece. And I had a lot of reservations about that because it's three and a half hours long. It's epic. Um, and it deals with a lot of ideas um, you know, you don't see Joan in this play on the battlefield. That's not what it's about. It's not, not about the warrior. It's about um, these concepts and ideas and themes that um, are, are still relevant and I think need to be discussed and, and uh, explored. So, um, you know, Joan was around um, 86 years before Martin Luther um, started the Reformation and um, before Protestantism became a thing. Um, but she introduced all of those same concepts uh, to the Catholic Church, which mm -hmm. is one of the reasons why they turned against her, the idea of um, communicating directly with God and not really needing the church as a go-between and all of those things. So it was really a, a, a protest. Um, so, uh, you know, to not get too much into the... Uh, the, the religious aspect of it that challenged the church <laughs> greatly that a woman of all people would be coming to them saying like, Oh no, no, no I don't need you. <laughs> I have this, I can do this. And, um, 
in feudal society that was uh, not really done right yeah. frowned she upon really <laughs> challenged the role of a woman she did. entirely not just in the church right yeah. yeah yeah she cut her hair um and dressed like a man to go into battle right and um she had no no interest in marriage as far as we know and um but she wasn't i don't think she you know she it wasn't like she was um even explored her sexuality. I just don't think she had an interest in it. I think she was in, more into um, the her mission that she had, her mandate, which was to take France back from England, mm -hmm. to see Charles crowned king, um, all of these very grand ideas um, that she had and, and this big mission that she had that she was on. And she was going to see it through even if it killed her. So... And it's did. fun, yeah. Which it absolutely did. <laughs> yeah. And it's fun that we're talking about this on Bastille Day. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good. So Teresa, over to you for a second. So were you familiar with this story, or as intimately as you probably learned the story, and how has it changed sort of your worldview, if at all? Um, I wasn't familiar with the play at all when I auditioned. Um, I just uh, it was an audition that I could attend, <laughs> and that's kind of my. Uh, my uh, mo is just to go to as many auditions as I can. Um, so, but you were familiar with Joan of Arc. Yes, I'm familiar yeah, with yeah. Joan of Arc. Um, but then, upon reading, especially when I read the um, like the, just the sides at the audition, and I, I was really excited reading those sides because I was like, wow, this is this is a role that I, I've really been wanting to do for a while. Not this specific, but like a role like this, um, like a a dramatic, strong female role that has nothing to do with you know sexuality or femininity because especially as a dancer um there's a lot of emphasis on that right and i as an artist um i you know i respect that and that's part of you know performance oftentimes but um there's so much more to it than that and the strength um, of being an artist so anyway that was that was what I was really excited about upon reading at the audition. And then upon reading the script, of course, the most interesting part about it that I find is the, the balance between her faith and where pride starts to come in mm -hmm. um, and kind of finding that balance of what, what is what is she doing because of her faith and what is she doing because of her pride? Um, and sometimes the line isn't really clear. So I, that for me is the, is the most challenging part of um, the role and the, the play itself. Not the men. The men are fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not worried about that. <laughs> Very nice. So, Jeremy, uh, I, I don't know anything about directing. So I, I know very little about acting, actually. Um, less so about writing nothing about relationships i'm a terrible <laughs> father uh so having said all that uh directing i think there's 10 people in the cast mm -hmm. and a lot of the people are playing multiple roles mm -hmm. so how difficult is that as a director to sort of square up and make sure everybody's uh you know doing the things the way you want and balancing mm -hmm. out maybe and, and Teresa, maybe you could speak to this with how they think the character should be portrayed because they're really the physical embodiment of mm -hmm. the character themselves. Yeah, I it was there are 22 <clears throat> I think 22 characters in the show and um 10 people portraying them and you're the only one that 
plays just one. Yep. <laughs> Lucky. Lucky. Yep. <laughs> um, but uh, it was it was always my intention to have a small cast with um, actors playing multiple roles, and um, I think I really just try to come at it. Um, uh, layering, um, see what they offer first, and what they, what the actors bring to it first, and their ideas, and then um, hone those and tweak those so that it tells the story um, that is there to tell, which isn't, which is staying true to Bernard Shaw, but it's also um, the language is very specific. Um, it was written, like you said, in 1923, um, and it has a sort of melodrama tone to it. And um, we really wanted to make sure that that wasn't, um, that there was nothing kind of fake or presentational about it, that it was still kind of grounded in, in reality. Um, so I think that's probably been a challenge um, for anybody. I mean, it would be for anybody, because mm -hmm. um, it's kind of beyond Shakespeare. There's not a poetry to some of it. It's just very stilted and kind of dramatic <laughs> way of speaking, which you can have fun with, you know, it's totally fun. But as far as um, actors creating their own characters, we've, we've had rehearsals um, strictly um, for that, uh, playing with making, how do you explore different parts of your voice and, and movement and where you hold your tension and things like that. Um, so that the characters are different, but the, so they actually come from the actor nothing is a caricature. Um, that doesn't interest me either. I don't. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of fakey voices and not a lot of charactery voices. It's really important that it's the person's voice, just maybe placed in a different, you know, way. But um, I'm fortunate to have actors that are really um, creative <laughs> and um, imaginative, and will just kind of let their minds go and and they can play. So that's a huge part of this is is the the play aspect and. I daydream a lot, and I think it's important when artists daydream and they let their minds kind of wander, like into like where could this go, you know? And then I'm there to pull them back and to hone them, and um, and to say like if someone's going in one direction, so, okay, maybe go this way, or maybe think about this, or mm -hmm. consider this, and and um, some of it's just very technical too. Sometimes it's just like you know very technical things, but. Um, but directing is interesting because I always I believe when you go into a show, you should have a really strong idea of what you want, but you should be willing to change it at any given moment based on what you are given. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and I've definitely altered my perception of some of these characters from the audition, um, from what was what I went into the audition, like an actor may go in and have an idea. Um, right. That, you have this preconceived notion. Right. Yeah. But it changes yep. and um, it should, it should meet, it should be, you should meet somewhere in the middle um, of those two things. And um, I like to think I'm pretty open if, if an actor has a question, uh, may not always have yes. the answer. <laughs> I may not always have the answer. I may not always be like the easiest answer mm -hmm. or like the right answer, but I think it's, if it, it has to feel right for the actor um, in order for it, me to be satisfied with it. If an actor's just doing something and it, it's not, they're not, it's not motivated or it doesn't come from a place of, of you know, realism or, or, or believability, then it'll read and then, then I just want to change it and do yeah. something that's right for them. So I don't really in, like enforce my will too much <laughs> unless I feel like it's a real like I'm really off something is really off base but that doesn't really happen that much so
Teresa, was there a specific example that you can remember in terms of the rehearsals where you thought it maybe was going to go this way or should go this way, and uh, Jeremy gave you some notes, and you were like, at first maybe you didn't uh, agree, but then you felt like that was the right direction for the character or the particular scene? Um, yes, it's actually still an ongoing process. <laughs> um, there's this one monologue in the scene, scene five, which is nearing the climax of the show but not quite yet um the, it's just kind of a tricky monologue and yeah. we're we're still kind of playing around with it um because i was doing it one way and then jeremy's like try it this way and i was like that doesn't that's weird and i tried it that way but then everyone was like oh yeah that seemed so much more honest and it came across better so i'm I, we're still we're still playing around with it so right. yeah yeah it's it's an ongoing thing I think with a nuanced um, moment like that, it's it's not. I think the way he wrote it could have easily been done as this like big, grand, you know, declaration where she's like crying or screaming or something, and like it it would it doesn't really fit though because it's not the climax of the play. Mm -hmm. So I think just to to get in there and find um, other ways to do it, I'm a big fan of opposites. So like if a character is like. Um, really angry maybe instead of shouting they whisper or instead of crying they laugh or something like that I think that that's as humans we do that all the time mm -hmm. um, as long as it's natural and believable um, and it'll know like we'll know when it works I just think trying things as many different ways as possible is is really important theater's living you know it's not like film where once it's once it's there it's done and, and, and <laughs> you can't change it the editor makes your performance with this it's it's really up to the actor right. um, to to lock into it, and 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 so um, yeah, and well, and I I have complete faith that it'll click, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I like I like the idea of opposites too because I often look like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> opposite, opposite. Um, yeah, the opposite thing is um, interesting that. Because sometimes the of what I do at home when I'm just working on lines, um, I'll just I'll practice a monologue or a certain piece of a line or whatever a certain way. Um, you know, I'll do it in a, like a valley girl style, or I'll do it you know as a royal queen, or I'll mm -hmm. do it as a in, like different things. And you find like in doing that, you find pieces like little sections that like oh you didn't you there's a new way of doing something or a right. new motivation for something you know coming up in a valley girl style that like that you can bring into so that's yeah i like the idea of opposites in that way as well that's you know i can't really do that in rehearsal because you can't you know, oh i think you should do one entire <laughs> rehearsal as a valley girl i'll have my volume handy yeah, yeah. <laughs> no i totally think it's i love it when actors play in rehearsal and when they try different things and they say like um, there's one actor in the cast, um, Mark, who lets me know that he's going to try something. Mark Sherlock, mm -hmm. what a great last name is that? Um, he lets me know, like, I'm going to try something. And it's just, you know, like, let me know. And like, you know, I'm like, okay. And like, different <laughs> actors will be like, I'm going to try. You know, and I think that's that's great. That's what rehearsals for. You know, don't wait until like a performance to try something new. Right. You know, like <laughs> try that's it now. A danger zone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's great when when you can play and and um, yeah yeah. 
right. Well, let me ask you this. Let's switch over to sort of the theater scene in Orlando. So, mm -hmm. Teresa, I'm going to start with you because you're fairly new to the Orlando area. Mm -hmm. uh, so you've been here for about a year and a half. What do you think about it so far? And what do you think it is lacking? I'm not sure where you came from. So I don't know if you came from a bigger theater community or a smaller theater community. Smaller. Okay. So yeah. you're totally impressed by how metropolitan Orlando is, I'm sure. Um, yeah, I guess you could say that. Um, how are you finding it so far and how are you balancing out? Like what, what did you want to do here and are you getting to do it so far? I, with this show and everything that's kind of come up around the show, um, I would say I'm just just starting to do what I came here to do, which is really exciting. Um, but I, I love Orlando. I definitely love Orlando. I love the community here. And of course, the community that's, you know, surrounded with the theater scene. Um, I came from Gainesville, which we don't have a huge theater scene. We have the Hippodrome State Theater, um, which is a really good um, company or theater <laughs> um they don't always do shows that i wanted to see them do um i wasn't i wasn't a part of um their professional theater i i grew up actually doing summer camps at the hippodrome in mm -hmm. gainesville so um, that's my connection with them but uh that's that's pretty much the only like professional theater we have in gainesville so yeah f going from that to uh all of these independent professional theater things going on in Orlando is really is really great and really um, motivating for me as an actor um, because there's always auditions going on and I love that I love I love auditions um, just the process even if it doesn't lead to anything so um, that's why I said that I didn't know anything about St. Joan when I auditioned because right, right. it's just like I like going to auditions I try to go to as many as I can eventually it leads to something and some did so well and if, yeah. even if it doesn't it's still practice right yes. it's still your ten thousand hours and yeah, you're getting exactly. used to the idea of people saying no which is not yep. a big deal yeah they're choosing yep. wrong obviously it's, it's um it's it's still a big deal it's okay it's well. still a big deal when they say no but i'm still evolving in how i uh how i react to that but i've definitely gotten better so well good <laughs> All right. And for Jeremy, for you, you were here. Uh, you've been in a couple of different places. You mm -hmm. went to NYC for a few years and came back. Mm -hmm. uh, what is the, the difference? So I started going to the Fringe Festival back in the early 90s when it first started. I think the second one was my first one. Cool. Uh, you've obviously done some stuff at the Fringe Festival mm -hmm. and some uh, a number of other productions here in Orlando. What have you seen change, let's say, just in the last 10 years? Or what do you think is different about mm -hmm. Orlando, if anything? Uh, that's interesting. I think that, um, well, obviously something like Fringe has, uh, has grown tremendously. Um, I think it's a lot more, there are a lot more possibilities for independent, uh, artists here than there used to be. Uh, although I say used to be, um, I'm, I'm, I've heard from people who have been here for a while and have been involved in the community for a while that it used to be in the like late eighties, early nineties where there were a lot of independent productions popping up. And then maybe it went through like a phase where there weren't as many or people moved. I don't know what it was, but it's kind of coming back to that, it feels like, um, which is nice. You hear about, um, oh, we used to do that back in 90 or <laughs> back in you know 89 or whatever. And um, 
I wasn't here then, so I don't know what that was like, but it's nice that it's going back to that. I feel like you can take more risks in Orlando as an artist um, now, and uh, I think it's great. I think people are, are more free to do kind of what they want. Um, there's some great independent companies around. Great. So why don't we end it on this, uh, you know, just talking about what you might want to see next in the Orlando area. And then what advice would you give to somebody, Jeremy, on the directing side and Teresa on the acting and the uh, the dancing side, even the, the just the idea of going out and doing as many auditions as you can. So we'll start with you, Teresa. Um, yeah, that would be my first thing <laughs> going out and doing Get as out many there. auditions as you can. I don't know if I'm really the person to be asking advice from at this point in my career. You're a star, um, kid. But uh, yeah, uh, as you mentioned, I'm I'm primarily a dancer, so this is a great you know diversion for me. Not diversion; that's the wrong word. But um, um, for dancing, I would say that the I guess the best thing is to is to just keep. Well, no, I guess that can apply to everything. Just to keep challenging yourself and. Mm. Um, not to stay in your comfort zone. My um my favorite dance teacher, <laughs> um when I was growing up, um I have a mug. My mom even got me a mug that has this quote on it. it. Says life begins at the end of your comfort zone, and I think that's that's like my kind of my motto for life. I try to make it my motto, and especially as an artist, is that you if you always do what feels okay and what feels safe and if you're never a little bit uncomfortable then you're not going to grow so yeah. so <laughs> one of the stereotypes of the working actor is that you're going to have a lot of jobs mm -hmm. right and so is that a way you're challenging yourself as well is by looking for opportunities that uh you know working at the theme parks and working at the any number of different places that you're working at oh yeah uh, i wouldn't say that any of my <laughs> full-time job or full t not really full-time they're all part-time but any of my jobs are really challenging me as an artist um in that sense that's i'm not being that's it's just how i make a living um it just supports all the other projects that i try to do but um going to auditions um especially those that i don't feel i'm quite that I quite belong at, <laughs> I think is important. Yeah. Um, for instance, uh, before I moved here, actually, I went to um, an audition for Marvel Universe Live. Um, I used to do martial arts, and I'm I like that sort of thing, and I, I would like to do more stunt things, um, but I don't have much experience in it. Right. Um, I should work that into St. Joan. I think yeah. I was thinking about that. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> fight scenes. Yes. You flip over the audience's heads. Yes. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> like that. But yeah, going to things like that where I, I'm a little bit out of my element because I'm, I was with all these, you know, super huge buff dudes that were, you know, that are professional, like stunt, stunt people. And I'm just like, yeah, I was really, I was a martial artist when I was a kid. Um, and I know I'm strong as a dancer, but I certainly wasn't on their level. But I think doing things like that, and I had such a good time, and like I, well, I learned a people. lot of things. Yeah, and so I think doing things like that is really important because, it, it, yeah, it, it pushes you, it challenges you, and yeah. Nice. <laughs> and Jeremy, I'd like to specifically, I think I mentioned earlier, you did 
uh, Equus at the Acre. Mm -hmm. uh, you've done the Dracula show at basically a storefront. You mm -hmm. you look for opportunities to do uh, shows in unusual places mm -hmm. and stage shows accordingly. What advice would you give a director, somebody's looking at that type of approach? And, and frankly, why are you doing that? Um, well, I'm doing it because no one else was at the time <laughs> when I came back from New York. Um, and we're kind of limited with um, theater spaces in this town. Um, anyway, municipal spaces that you can use for multiple you know, purpose type things. Um, so, you know, there, there are a lot of great theaters, but some of them are, are too big for what I want to do or they're just not, you know, the right thing. Not everything has to be done. I, I love the Orlando Shakes, but not everything has to be done there, you know. Um, so I would say to any any directors or independent producers that are looking to do theater, um, do it. You know, do you have a living room? <laughs> do you have a friend who has a big house or an apartment that's big? Um, do plays there find plays that are set in living rooms and do them in a living room um you know you don't have to have uh, you know all lights and stage and all that um to do theater so you know yeah i've done i've done stuff in all kinds of different uh venues and um everyone has i think we mentioned this earlier everyone has um its own strengths and its own challenges and you're gonna find that no matter what but i think if you let yourself daydream and 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 wonder and explore the city the more venues that you see the more places you see um let yourself kind of just dream about what you want to do there and 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 yeah that's the only way i can i mean that's the only way we can describe it is i kind of like whenever i'm walking around i see a place and i'm like oh it would be really great to do something there and i just kind of file it away in my head and then i wait for something to come along and um and and then you do it and and uh the thing with with immersive theater is you kind of are breaking that fourth wall mm. and um it it's it's not about interactive you know being interactive with the audience but um it it allows for the actors to to not have to worry about um being too big or presentational um they right, can right cuz you have to fill a space right yeah. there can be little moments where like there's moments in Joan where they don't realize it yet, but they're so close to the audience that one little thing, I think I've said this a bunch of times, is like, all you have to do is think a thing and it'll register. It's not like where you have to show it, you know, to everyone. So it's much more filmic. Um, uh, so, I, yeah, that's my, my suggestion is don't, don't limit yourself. If you mm -hmm. want to do something find a way to do it. You don't need a lot of money. You don't need a lot of resources. You need friends that are talented. Um, you need a good script. So read a lot of plays, see a lot of plays. Reading them is cheaper um, <laughs> than, than seeing them. Um, someone who can get you comps. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but Make but a lot of friends. Exactly. <laughs> you go to the library, check out plays. I mean, like, it's, you know, but be be educate yourself with what's out there. Don't keep doing the same things over and over again, um, and and just think outside the box. And and that's the best way I can I can say it is is um, sort of what Teresa was saying. Don't limit yourself. Don't worry about looking at an actor's resume and saying like. I didn't even look at Teresa's resume to see that she was, Which was a good thing. primarily a dancer. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like it didn't interest me. I don't think I looked at your headshot. I think maybe once, um, but it's it's 
it's about the person being right for it and find something that you connect with find find plays that you connect with write original stuff that'll save you money if you don't want to pay for the rights and you have right. to pay for the rights but if you if you don't if that's a, a limitation then write original work get together with your friends um there are ways to do it if you want to do it badly enough um and by all means don't let me be the only person out there doing what i'm doing like i i want more people to do whatever they want to do <laughs> just leave it at that <laughs> well because it brings up everybody's opportunities even sure. more so so once you've been in one of these venues and you've done something they're much more willing to do something else totally hopefully well. yeah. <laughs> right yeah. unless they have a terrible experience with you. Right. yeah <laughs> well good well thank you guys so much so once again saint joan uh directed by jeremy sagers yeah. starring Teresa hansen among others uh july 28th through august 5th at the fred stone theater tickets on sale at eventbrite.com that's b-r-i-t-e dot com uh, anything else you guys want to plug while you're here? Anything else upcoming? I know you've got a project at Valencia. I'm directing at Valencia in the fall. Um, it's Can we not... break the news here? I can't. I have oh, to wait for them to break no. it, and I don't know. I don't know when that. It'll be soon. I can say that auditions will be in September. Um, I have like a quote-unquote professional Facebook page that you can like, um, so you can always go on Facebook and like my page, um, and then follow. Uh, oh my gosh, what's my Twitter, just edit this out. <laughs> anyway, yes. I'll put it up on the links. Afterwards. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Uh, All right. Very good. Anything you want to promote? Uh, yeah. I'm choreographing a show in the fall called First Date um, from Generation Productions. Um, it's a also an, an immersive, excuse me, immersive musical at the Abbey. I'm really excited about that. It's oh, going to cool. be a big, big uh, shift from St. Joan to First Date. So. Very nice. Uh, and just, you know, St. Joan going on a first date. And, you yeah. Know, just yeah. do that. Yep. And that's an Orlando premiere too, right? Yes. Nice. I, th I think. I think yeah. So. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I'm glad we're all friends now. I can ask for comps. <laughs> all right. You've been listening to A Certain Degree on WPRK Winter Park, Florida. Thanks again for being here. And uh, yeah, that's it. Thank you, Thank Nick. you so much. Thank you. You're welcome. And that's the show. Thanks for listening to A Certain Degree. St. Joan will be playing at the Fredstone Theater from July 28th through August 5th. Tickets are on sale at eventbrite.com.